It's time to get smarter. Hi, everyone. This is Bill Zadites inviting you to join us for the Auto Intel Summit. Our faculty will be arming you and your teams with the knowledge of what's next in auto finance and fintech, venture capital, private equity, digital retailing, recovery, and remarketing. And with an all-new and exciting digital format for 2020, it's easier for your teams to learn more. It's time to get smarter. Visit AutoIntelSummit.com for more information and to register. That's AutoIntelSummit.com. again and welcome back to the auto remarketing podcast i'm your host nick solovich part of the team at cherokee media group and senior editor at subprime auto finance news and auto fin journal for this episode of the podcast please to welcome back davis and gilbert partner joseph chaffee who is chair of the firm's insolvency creditors rights and financial products practice group who also oversees the credit chronometer watching the subprime auto finance space and other parts of financial services. Joseph, thank you again for being a part of the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Nick. I really appreciate it. First and foremost, in the times that we are in, uh, how are you and your family, friends, and, and firm colleagues feeling nowadays? Well, uh, thanks very much for asking, Nick. Uh, I think you know, we're fortunate in my family. We're, we're doing well, uh, staying safe, staying healthy. Of course, you know, like everyone else, you know, we know of folks who are going through some difficult times and have had some losses. So I know it's been a, it's been a tough time. Um, you know, as far as our, our firm goes, what we're really hearing now, Nick, is potentially getting back to some of their, the offices, at least on a, a couple of days a week um, basis and looking forward to deal activity on the transactional side as well. So there seems to be some optimism from a business level now. You just have to really hope that what's going on in some parts of the country now are not just something that's going to be an everlasting kind of, as we got a wave that goes through and around and around in the country, hopefully we just all go through a spell and then it subsides and we can only hope, right? I mean, so I'm in the North, that's just a, Recap, I'm in the uh, Northeast area. I'm in Connecticut. My office is in New York City. We've been through a very hard time here, uh, but we seem to have come out of it. So let's see, you know, how the rest of the country does and how we fare in the months ahead. It's such an uncertain time. Well, that that's so so great to hear. Very very glad to to hear all of that. And and for for listeners who who might not be as familiar, if if you could just recap uh, who Davis and Gilbert is, the 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 primary places your firm operates in, as as well as the genesis of the the credit chronometer and and its objectives. Uh, sure. So Davis and Gilbert is a mid sized firm with one office in New York City. We are full service. We run the gamut of all transactional work, bankruptcy work, litigation, employment uh, services. And something unique to our firm is that we have a dedicated advertising and marketing law practice um, that's very well known in that space. I think you could say it's the premier firm in that space. And over time, uh, we've diversified uh, beyond that advertising and marketing over the last few decades. And I've been uh, on the front edge of that diversification working in financial services. And so my practice group 
has been working with um, in financial services and financial institutions uh, starting back in the early 2000s. So 2003 or four, I uh, got involved with subprime mortgage lending. Um, on the positive end, at that point in time, the market was doing really well. And as a transactional lawyer at the time with a bankruptcy background, I was working on the uh, subprime origination platforms and being like an outside general counsel. And I followed that whole market through really the whole economic cycle. So what happened back from 2003, by the time we came around to 2007, 2008 and the financial crisis, then came time to use the bankruptcy skills and to unwind certain transactions, as you can imagine. Uh, represent uh, represent lenders as uh, creditors in bankruptcy, uh, and then came holding all the uh, distressed mortgage loans, yeah, as you, you'll recall, and, and the claims that were made by, by borrowers against lenders and spending uh, against those suits. And that went on for several years, finally culminating in large-scale litigation brought by investors and trustees and securitization trusts against our clients. And so now for the last few years, um, we have been heavily involved in RMBS repurchase and fraud litigation. Uh, and so my practice has somewhat mirrored that, that life cycle. And my team now mirrors that life cycle in the sense that we're multidisciplined. We, we have, a little unusual that we have corporate transactional folks, we have insolvency and bankruptcy folks, and we have litigation folks. Uh, and, and that is something that is, has developed over time, uh, but it's also something I much, I greatly prefer, I should say, this type of practice, because we don't shy away from anything, and we have specialists who can deal with any area of law, and it makes us well-suited to, to help folks go through a, a cycle from, from cradle to grave. Um, and so now, um, with RMBS trailing off, uh, hopefully ending the litigation in the next you know, couple of years, uh, we're, we've looked at other areas where uh, the market can benefit from the experience we have in following that cycle. And I started Credit Chronometer as my blog site in 2017 so that we can really talk about the events that shaped the credit markets uh, for student loans, auto loans, ESG investing, uh, mortgage loans as well. Um, markets where we can really use the experience and expertise that we've had developed over the years and in particular, we're focused on subprime auto. And, and that's because really there's been a debate for the last couple of years of whether subprime auto was going to cause the next subprime um, crisis, lending crisis. Um, and that debate has um, ebbed and flowed over the last few years. Uh, and now that we see, you know, record high employment, even though the numbers now do look better, it's still very high versus uh, pre-COVID time. Um, with that uh, that increase in employment, we have to wonder whether or not is this this finally the time where there's going to be some battles in subprime auto where investors who do lose uh, any money, whether um, through their securities, potentially selling their securities at a loss, to the extent they do suffer incur losses, will they now try to sue uh, either directly or through trustees, will they try to sue the sponsors and originators just like what happened in subprime mortgage. And there's different schools of thought on that. There's some differences in subprime auto, more hurdles there, smaller, you know, smaller loans, many loans in the trust, and high credit enhancements which protect the investors. And we're just gonna have to see now what happens, but we're keeping a very 
uh, close eye on the market right now, and, and that's why we've gone and, and we've gone back to the market and done a couple of uh, uh, new studies just in this past year alone. Again, our special guest for this episode of the Auto Remarketing Podcast is Davis and Gilbert partner Joseph Chaffee, uh, looking at uh, the credit chronometer that his firm specializes in. And as reference, Joseph, you uh, just recently uh, completed another study of, of subprime auto finance uh, amid the, the the crisis that we're all all living through. Just what were your expectations for the study results? And then uh, what were your reactions uh, to when the findings materialized? Uh, well, Nick, I think you could say we were a little bit surprised, but that's probably you know a, a good thing. Uh, and it shows how difficult it is to predict the market, especially the time of a pandemic. I can tell you that back in 2019, when we did our first study, it was very clear that the main concern on most participants' mind was an economic disruption, some, some macroeconomic shock that would affect subprime borrowers because they're the most vulnerable in, our, in, in the market, right, the, the subprime borrowers. Um, and now that we have this shock, I was expecting to see uh, an uptick in concern. All right, so 2019, we know that the market was concerned about the economy. Early to 2020, we went back to the market, and right before COVID hit, uh, February, early March timeframe, we did that study thinking that would be our only study for 2020. We heard the same concerns about a macroeconomic shock. Um, and then the shock happened. The mother of all shocks has happened, right, with, with COVID. And so we went back to the, we went back to the market, and we expected now to see a bit of panic, but there was no, there was really no panic. The the result in terms of the, a negativity in the market and a, and a view towards deterioration in performance was somewhat moderate. Um, and I think that goes to um, it shows the strength of I think what what people have experienced in the past. They haven't experienced losses in the past, and so it's difficult to change that mindset now and think now all of a sudden things will be different. There, the history is there. History is on the side of the investors not suffering uh, losses. They believe in the overall, believe in the, the credit enhancements and the structures that are built into the protections that are built into the, to the deals. Um, and so you're just not seeing extremes really like we might have expected given what's happening out there. And what was really interesting was the economy, the differences between the separate groups, because we, it was a 360, we call it a 360-degree market study, because we talked to investors, lenders, trustees, servicers, and other consultants and advisors. Um, and in the prior studies, they were pretty, those groups were aligned, pretty much aligned. Within a range, they pretty much had the same ideas of what was going to happen, but to varying degrees. Here, this time, the servicers were noticeably, significantly more optimistic, or you could say less negative, uh, than any of the other groups. And in my recent webinar that we did, we, we talked with uh, a representative from a, a servicer, and it said, you know, most likely that's the result of the fact that you have the servicers on the front line. Um, they're in somewhat of control, and they can influence performance in the sense they see the performance data coming in, and they can react to it. Um, and also the experience, though, of knowing how to get through the hard times of loss and mitigation um, and feeling somewhat confident that they can get through 
this this time. Now, for all that you know, moderation and negativity, there were some areas of concern where we saw going forward. We we saw that investors were concerned that there might be government relief programs and moratoriums on repossessions and things of that nature, which could potentially cause losses for them. About 90% of investors were expecting that you know there there could be an uptick in their in their risk because of government programs. Um, and I think anyone you know paying attention might say, well, wait a minute, you just told me things weren't all that that negative, and now you're telling me investors are 90% you know sure that they're going to. Uh, suffer some problems and, and risk in the in the future. I think that the economy there that 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 contrast just shows the uncertainty of the market and the stress that we're all under. It's really hard. It's really hard to make any predictions to know where you're going to come out. There is a general feeling in the short term for today, things don't look so bad. My my experience in the past is pretty good. I'm I'm expecting that's possibly going to continue, but that's today. I don't know about tomorrow. And so in the long term, I might have some issues. And in fact, uh, we heard from a majority of the respondents thought that the COVID-19 would have a long-term impact on the market. Certainly fascinating uh, findings that, that you've shared, Joseph. How, how can someone uh, find the study and, and get even more details about uh, what you uncovered? Oh, well, uh, thanks for asking, Nick. I can go to my my website, creditchronometer.com, and they'll be able to register and download a copy of the report. Closing moments here with Davis and Gilbert partner Joseph Chaffee, who oversees the, the credit chronometer, watching subprime auto finance and, and other segments of, of financial services. And and Joseph, to, to, to wrap us up, as you alluded to a bit already, but, but how has the the pandemic already impacted uh, your firm's endeavors and, and how might it uh, modify how you and your colleagues uh, view uh, auto financing going forward? Well, I think um, we're going to take the results of that study to heart. Uh, I think people meant what they said. Uh, they said what they, they meant. I think what we see then is that uh, there's relative uh, positivity, uh, moderation of the view of risk in the very short term, but a fear of a long-term impact on on COVID. And as I've said in the past and in our last study, I really believe in the power of knowing expectations. If you know what other participants in a market are expecting, you can match those expectations. You can match your moves, I should say, to those expectations. You can try to stay ahead. And that's how market shifts happen. But now I think things are so uncertain that going forward, it's not going to be just about what your expectations are and what you think others' expectations are, but really how do you react? What do you do uh, in response to those expectations? That's what's really going to matter because we really can't predict the future. It's going to be shaped by the way everyone reacts to all the uncertainty around them. And even though there was a moderation of, of views I think there is still the potential then uh, for there to be the start of litigation and subprime auto that we haven't seen before. And so we do have a, a webinar uh, coming up to try to help folks in that regard um, on July 15th to try to explain to them that here's what RMBS litigation has looked like. We are certain that if it does happen in subprime auto, 
the litigants are going to try to use subprime RMBS as a roadmap for the for auto litigation. So folks should be very aware of the large body of case law now that has developed over the last almost 10 years in subprime RMBS and take advantage of it because if, if the folks who get involved in this litigation know about it, they'll be able to have the better expectations of what is going to happen uh, and take the best steps going forward. Those that don't have that understanding are really going to be at a disadvantage if, if the litigation does come about. That's Davis and Gilbert partner Joseph Chaffee. Joseph, thank you so much again for for sharing your insights about subprime auto finance and uh, your firm's endeavors. Again, all the best to to you, family, friends, and colleagues to to remain safe and healthy. Well, I thank you very much for the opportunity, Nick. And if you've missed any of our past episodes, you just you can just go to our website at autoremarketing.com and click on the podcast box to find our library of past episodes. For my colleague Joe Overby and our executive producer Matt Rice, I'm Nick Solovich. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to having you again next time on the Auto Remarketing Podcast.